0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 266 of the Drunk Dashers Podcast. I'm here as always, I'm Tyler, and joining me is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sir Colonel Gables. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, Tyler, I'm doing okay. (laughs) Just an average work week, but other than that... I'm happy to report I am currently playing some decent games, and I nice. actually finished a game today. So I'm good. Oh, cool. <laughs> How about you, man? Doing all right.
0: Uh, kind of a you know busy, busy a crazy work week. You know we have a we have a three day weekend this weekend Memorial Day weekend. Same here. Uh, nice. Um. So uh, it's kind of cool. By I, I was able to get out of work a couple hours early on Friday. Yeah. Um, my sister is graduating high school, so we had her. Uh, Yeah, yeah, so Friday we had to um, spend a good chunk of the day getting uh, everything set up, decorating, get all the stuff moved. I got stuck doing most of the heavy lifting. Um, Then today we had the graduation, so that was cool. And then tomorrow is uh, uh, the graduation party. Uh, So that that yeah, it's kind of a kind of cool. It's been it's been a very busy uh, few days, Um, but at least I'll have Sunday night and then Monday to uh, recover from it. There you go. um yeah, so it's you know, pretty cool. Um some cool stuff for me personally with uh some gaming and stuff before we get to like all the news and what we've been playing though, but yeah. We, we got some uh more details on D L C for the Mario Rabbids game. Uh, mm-hmm. the Donkey Kong Adventures. It's coming out in June. We got a bunch of gameplay on it. There is a Cranky Kong Rabbids.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, that sounds amazing.
0: And I, I texted Justin and I'm like Um, Because we were talking about uh, Tropical Freeze, and I told him that Cranky Kong is probably the worst character in the game since Yarny from Unravel.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And I bet his his reaction was not less than ideal.
0: He sent me a a YouTube video of Chris Farley going, you son of a bitch. (laughs) 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 Got a good laugh out of me. Uh, Yeah, so that was pretty pretty cool. Um, Mad 19 got a release date uh august 7th coming out super early usually comes out like the the week before yeah. uh labor day now it's coming out first week of uh april's uh, or oh, i'm sorry April, august 7th if you buy the hall of fame edition which i bought i bought that one uh, <laughs> of course, it was like i got it was 10 bucks more and then august 10th you buy the regular edition so and then um oh also this is to the day the fifth anniversary of our of uh, our first uh, recording, sitting down in the record for the first time. Yeah. Today. So uh it was our um fifth anniversary show. I didn't um uh, I was like, oh I, I knew about it like a while ago. I'm like wow a couple, like a month or so ago. I'm like, oh I wanna do something, you know, for the we have to think of something, do something uh for our fifth fifth anniversary show. And then I totally forgot about it all week. And <laughs> like two hours ago. I'm like, oh yeah it's our a- fucking fifth anniversary i didn't
1: notice until you just said something before recording it's like oh my god five years to the day we've been doing this podcast that is Mm -hmm. absolutely nuts but it's also awesome
0: yeah who would have who would have thought we were doing this for five years didn't think we'd be doing it for five days so uh (laughs) there are probably 400 hours of us on the internet right now gables yep
1: that's no joke
0: yeah so that's uh pretty crazy to think. Uh, I think that's really cool. Uh, and we've done we've had more pot. We've done more podcasts than we have we've have done. Uh, there's been weeks doing the show, which is really cool. Yep. Five years, missed one week. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I thought it was pretty awesome to, to think that, or to you know to uh, that you know that we made it to that point. Who would have you know would have thought? Uh, we've had a lot of uh, uh, friends come and go in that time. Yep. Uh, a few hosts uh, come and went and. One has come back and left again. Uh, our, our original founder, uh, Jacob Knuckles, whatever. Uh, but yeah, here we are, Gables, you and me. The the, uh, the two of the originals still, uh, still going along.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Of mm-hmm. course.
0: So, nah. thanks for joining me on this stupid journey, Gables.
1: Hey, man, my pleasure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I guess we should get, we should actually start to into the, the real parts of the show here. Um, sh- do we start with the news, or do we go with the, what we've been playing? What do you think, Gables?
1: You know what? Let's go ahead and go with what we've been playing and stuff. It's been kind of a while.
0: Okay. Um, do you want to start, or do you want me to start?
1: Why don't you start?
0: All right, cool. Um, so, I've dabbled a little bit in some stuff here. Uh, Hyrule Warriors came out uh, last week. I played the first mm-hmm. couple levels. I've played a few more levels since then. Not a lot to report on it. Um, if you listen to me talk about Fire Emblem Warriors, it's kind of the same thing, but with the, with the Zelda skin on it, which um, I like that more because I'm a Zelda fan more a uh, lot more than I am a Fire Emblem fan. Fire Emblem Warriors was my first four-way into Fire Fire Emblem games. So um didn't really get all the uh, uh, kind of the characters and what the hell is going on with that. But uh, it, it's fun, and this is obviously a port from the Wii U game, which I loved. It was uh, one of my favorite games the year it came out. Um, But it's fun. It's definitely a lot more challenging. than Fire Emblem Warriors, where I got to like the the second to last level of Fire Emblem Warriors and never even came close to dying. And I'm like six or seven levels into this game, Hyrule Warriors, and I probably had a probably lost five or six times now already. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So, and had a few close calls since then. Um, One, a few of those were like uh, restarting checkpoints and uh, just you know trial and error on those. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's still fun to go into. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. It's uh, I like it a lot too. Especially, it kind of works well with the Switch if you're playing it more portably because you can uh, levels. You know, I mean, depending on like, I like to do a lot of the side stuff in the levels. Um, but I mean, that's in, at most taking me 30 minutes to beat a level. Uh, I would say on average it's you know 20 25 minutes. So it's perfect for the Switch if you're doing portable stuff on it and just fun for me is like just want ah, I can do I got. 45 minutes I'll do a quick level or something and then um, so that's been fun jumping back into that um, I talked about it a little bit last week I, I played uh, I think it was like level world four on, at that point of uh, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze yeah uh, I played the crap out of it on um, Sunday and got all the way to the last boss um, I think I spent like there's like the second to last level is like a minecart level or no it's a rhino level you have to ride a, the rhino um, if I ever have to play another one of those levels again in my life, it, um, it will be too soon. I hate, <laughs> hate, hate. I spent probably thirty minutes on just trying to make one jump. Uh, it's just, and when you finally get it, you're like, yeah, and then you die. You're like, damn it! All right, too excited. Uh, so you like, you're just like, you're like, oh, you're like, you exhale, and you just celebrate for one second, and it's just, God, that's all it takes. Um, but I got the last boss, spent probably near 40 minutes trying to fight him. It's a long boss fight. Um, for the, like, not, like, it's probably, um, probably five or six minutes into this boss fight kept getting into and dying. Um, and I, same, like, I, the, so what annoys me about this game is, like, I, I, it's, it's pretty, it's it's definitely a very challenging game. Uh, but, like, the lava is, like, instant death, and I'll, I'll have, like, I'll have I'll be have full hearts. I'll make it all the way to like the very end of the last boss fight or the last stage of the boss. And, um, he'll like make the, like the, the ground underneath you, like one of the sections will disappear and I fall into lava and die instantly. Um, and that's every single time. That's how I died was. I never, never took out all my hearts. He just, I just fell into the lava and died. Um, which just drove me nuts. That was, and that's kind of like my biggest issues with, uh, not biggest issue, but that was kind of like my m- biggest downfall in that game it was never really running up hearts, just like falling to the lava in a lot of these levels, especially the last uh, world. Um, but I don't know. Overall, I mean, like I said last week, a uh, really good game. Uh, it's I'm kind of you know a little, a little upset that I didn't give it the give it the what the chance it deserved uh, on the Wii U, but it's you know I'm paying for it now uh, or making up for it now. Uh, and I had a lot of fun with it. I eventually rage quitted on the last boss fight because um, I was about to no longer have a switch because I was going to check out the fucking window. <laughs> uh, so I haven't played it since. Uh, but I'm gonna go back to it and beat that beat that last boss. But I, I gotta, uh, I, gotta yeah. I gotta I gotta walk away from it because that on on Sunday was a very like I got to, it took me like three or four hours probably to get to uh, get through the last like uh, world and a half because uh, some of those levels get pretty difficult, especially the minecart and the Rhino level. Yeah. Um, I was telling Justin, I think I spent more time on the minecart and rhino levels, uh, than I did any other than the rest of the game combined. Uh, because each level, I think each world has one or two of those. So the rest of the game was uh, not nearly as challenging. Uh. So yeah. Um, and then last but not least, I um, Detroit Become Human came out Friday. Uh, yeah. I've only get to play a few hours of it so far. Um, it is Quantum Dreams' new game. Uh, if you. If, I talked about it before I really 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 liked Heavy Rain uh, if you guys may remember uh, it was released just a few months ago um, but I went in uh, with Beyond Two Souls where very much uh, it was a middle of the road kind of game but there was a lot of problems with that game uh, but mm. overall at that point in time still really liked that uh, style but that was really before kind of Telltale came, came around uh, where the quantum dreams is the only one really doing that. Um, but now we, here we are with Detroit become human. Uh, the game so far, absolutely beautiful, uh, up there with one of the, in the games and their games always been really good looking for their time. Uh, but it's definitely up there for as far as like graphically. Um, so one of the best looking games of this uh, probably ever on the consoles. Um, and just the facial animations, um, everything about it's great. Uh, Kind of the main story of it is is that there is Connor, Marcus, and Kara. Uh, you play as uh, androids uh, in 2038 Detroit. Um, and basically what's going on is like, they call them, I think, Deviant is what they call them, is when an android kind of becomes like, basically the androids are just kind of like, in a, in a way, um, they're just like maids or, or, you know, butlers. kind of. They just kind of do all your chores for you. Uh, clean yeah. the house, uh, go get your paint. Um Now, so now things are getting, uh, they're kind of new upgrading more and more. So, in this world so far, uh, like unemployment rates are like 38%. Um, and so a lot of people are upset because the androids are taking a lot of people's jobs. Um, there's like people picketing on the streets and stuff like that. And now, like, the uh, the the androids are coming, what they say, uh, deviant, which is basically they're no longer listening to people's commands and they're kind of. Uh, acting on their own and becoming more human like and they actually have starting to feel emotions are, uh in a way. And like one of the first scenes is a uh you play a, a Connor is a um uh, a police de- police detective and uh he's an Android and the first thing you do is it was one the, it was like the very first thing we saw in this game was uh he was uh trying to talk this android was had murdered his owners or murdered the father and the uh, because uh, they were going to upgrade and get a new model and get rid of him. he was like, he thought he was part of the family. He's been with the family for, um, for years and years and years. And he finally like, snapped the android did. And, uh, he's sitting on the edge of a roof, uh, with a gun to the daughter's head and you have to try to talk him and she can die. You can die. He can die or whatever. Um, and just, I guess there's like six different possibilities in that first scene alone. Um, but basically when, like I said, you become, they the, they're trying to figure out the issue of why all these, all of a sudden, all these uh, androids are acting on their own. Uh, and then uh, the next character you play as is Marcus. Uh, he is um, basically like the, kind of like the butler, but um, of like he goes. The first thing you do with him is you go get paint for his, um, his owner, uh, who who is um, older man. He's probably in his seventy or 80s He's in a wheelchair, but he's an artist. And they're kind of more like a father son dynamic. Um, where they just get along really well, um, you can tell they actually kind of like you know there's some love there uh, between the two of them. And I've only played I think one scene with him. I think I've done two with um, Connor and two with Kara, uh, but um, or Kara, I'm sorry. And you kind of find out like a little bit. I don't really want to spoil too much, but I'm like I'm only a few hours in. But um, like I said, they're very. It's a very like father son relationship and like the. The, the owner, the older man, has uh, I can't remember his name, but he has a, a, a son who's kind of, seems like uh, he has a drug problem, and so they don't get along too well. Um, so I'm assuming that's going to come into play here eventually. And then uh, Kara, who so far is probably my favorite character uh, of the three, um, she was, she's uh, we they showed a bunch of it already at like E3s and stuff like that and places experiences. Uh, but she is like in a, you know, she's living in like the poor side of uh, her owner like lives in the poorer side of the town, and he's a abusive uh, dad. And he's got a little girl named Alice, and um, basically, she starts off with her being picked back up from the android, the place where they sell the androids, uh, being re- repaired. Uh, he basically de- uh, gets angry and destroyed uh, Kara, so they had to you know redo it, and she gets her memory wiped. So she like you're basically relearning. It kind of works out great where like you're learning kind of what's going on, uh, and she's learning at the same time too uh, about, you know, kind of the abuse that goes on there, and it's just kind of, he's just, he doesn't work, and he's, he's drunk and angry and on drugs, and uh, basically he kind of got, what well, goes on with that one, it's like, it's, it's like I said, it's all in the advertisement for this, but you have to escape that with Alice, the little girl, um, but so far, like I said, I'm early on, um, I only played a couple hours, um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, which I'm 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 glad I am. I was a little I was a little nervous because I started playing Heavy Rain uh, a few weeks ago, and I got a couple hours in. I got to the Jason part, and uh, and I was just like, oh man, I'm not digging this so much. And I'm wondering, and part of that concern was like, uh, you know, maybe because I've, I've, I've already played this, I remember a lot of the game, so the surprises are are, are gone. Um, and maybe I'm like, oh man, maybe this is like part of the time because uh, Heavy Rain was really the first of its kind. I know there was, a, I know that my, I think Indigo Prophecy and a couple other games like that, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, um, this was like the first big budget, one of these kind of like, uh, story based kind of a walking similar style games. And now like, you know, Walking Dead, or, or not the Walking Dead, but Telltale Walking Dead, uh, kind of came out and then Telltale has been killing it the last six, seven years. Um, and we've seen a million of these games now, walking simulators and story-based uh, narrative games. And uh, I was worried. I'm, like, I'm just like, ah, man, maybe like that was just... I look at Quantum Dream with kind of like a nostalgic uh, eyes. You know, like Beyond Two Souls was okay. Uh, Heavy Rain was amazing, but maybe it wasn't that amazing. Um, but uh, so far, I'm, I'm really liking it. Like I said, uh, I heard later on uh, people... like the It starts off great, but the back half of the game kind of gets meh. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but so far I, I'm I'm 100 in. So uh, I'll talk about it more next week. I'm hoping to play a lot more. But it's just, it's one of those games where uh, it's like a it's almost like a movie in a way, or like a, like you're watching like a show on like on Netflix or something, where it's just like ah next episode next episode because it you know it splices in so well. Um, there's never really a break in the action. Um, so it's one of those games where if I don't feel like I have like at least an hour or so to play the game. Uh, I'm not going to play it. I'll play something else, or I'll just watch something else or do something else. Uh, so I'm hoping to get sometime this weekend uh, a good couple hours stretch there. I can just uh, sit down and play it, because uh, I got a good few hours stretch uh, last night, and I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, but that's pretty much all I've been playing. I went a little long there. Sorry, guys. But uh, Gables, what have you been playing?
1: All right. So from the top, I have finished Kirby Star Allies. Oh, nice. So that game in and of itself, I mean – For the most part about it, I have enjoyed my experience with the game. I mean, it's not really too difficult. The game is really aimed for younger audiences. Definitely for somebody who wants to... Who has probably never played too many platformers. And if they're getting really into one, this is probably the type of game where you want to introduce someone to that genre with. At the same time, though, I thought that uh, the game quality of itself was actually pretty decent. It wasn't, like, so bad and stuff. I was kind of disappointed with the length of the game, only because there is only, like, maybe, what, like, four four worlds oh, in wow. and of itself? There was, like, four worlds. I went through and I collected all the puzzle pieces, the main puzzle pieces, and, like, triggered all the switches and stuff. But there was still, like, about, I would say, 30, pretty close to about, like, a 25, 30% of the stuff that I hadn't unlocked with the full experience, though. Towards the end of the game, let's see. The Last World, you basically... I kind of like the theme of The Last World because you're basically in space and you're drifting to different planets that basically are remastered from previous worlds that you have tackled earlier on. So there are not only a stage of that, but if you go forth and pass the stage, collect everything, it unlocks like the particular boss of... uh, one of the previous worlds. And so how it kinda mixes things up, like how Kirby Star Allies mixes things up like in the last world and stuff, is you basically reface these bosses again, but they are harder. Hmm. So quintessentially you play let's say like in you know, in every Kirby game you face off against Wispy Woods. That's like one of the first bosses, is like one of the first staples of any type of Kirby game, pretty much. Well for this one one of the remastered boss stages here, this Wispy Woods, you don't necessarily just face Wispy Woods. You face off something called, like, Yaggle Woods or something like that, like an elder, like Wispy Woods. It was so crazy, because it's like, he basically goes through and he just jumps around like, with stuff, and he's attacking he, like, freaking launches, not just like fruit, but also launches like these freaking, like, spike-looking Goro creatures or something from his branches and all that other stuff. But, um After going through the remastered thing, like, the remastered boss battles, oh, man, and I'll tell you what, man, that boss battle against Krakow, man, Krakow is also one of the mainstays, like, one of the classic Kirby bosses from previous games. For those who don't know, Krakow is basically a gigantic rain cloud with spikes and an eye, and it basically shoots lightning at you. (laughs) But, um... Where the game gets interesting is when you collect all the various puzzle pieces, unlock most of the stuff, and then you face off against the final portion of the game. I got to admit, the final boss battle in of itself kind of reminded me of like a Final Fantasy RPG. I say that is because the final boss has like about three or four different forms, and you got to go through each separate form. So this battle took me like about a good solid 15-20 minutes to actually go and uh, finish, It was definitely the best part about that game, bar none, in my my honest opinion. Through my whole gameplay, I think I've only died twice, which, hey, that's not bad. And the funniest thing about it, I was checking my life gauge, and uh, you can actually go over 100 lives. (laughs) (laughs) At the end, I was at around 140 lives that I had collected. Well, it's like what I said before, though. The game is more or less an introductory thing for, uh, for people who are not familiar with genre, like the platforming genre in general, or like just for younger gamers who don't play too many video games. At the same time, though, I kind of would have liked there to have been a little bit more challenge. The only forms of challenge I did face was towards the end of the game itself. Like the final couple of bosses until finally getting into like, the main boss... And then just going through the forms and this and that, that in and of itself, I think, kind of redeemed the game in and of itself to me. So after you beat this game, you unlock a couple, you unlock a couple different modes plus the last like uh, remaining stage, and you know what? What's interesting about this stage? And I'm going to go a little bit in the spoilers since I know you're probably not going to ever probably play this game again. But yeah, uh, it's a Kirby game, so yeah. We, but okay. uh, there unlocks a. Another little planet after you beat the main game. It's called, like, uh, Extra Stage. I think it's Gamma or something like that. It has a Sigma that looks like... Or no. It has a signal that looks like Sigma, actually. Not Gamma. Because when you're going through the last world, you can actually unlock extra stages like Alpha, Beta, ga- like Gamma, or something. And the last one is Sigma. So I went through this entire stage and stuff, and the last portion of the stage flashes you back to the original Kirby's Dreamland. Certain portions of the stage, it's a little bit remixed. And what's kind of interesting about it is it's actually tinted with that green and black aesthetic, like oh. it would be on the Game Boy. That's cool. That is a cool little Easter egg right there. And when you get towards the end of the stage, you go through and you trigger the little prompt and stuff, the little switch, and it's like, congratulations for like it's like we love Kirby, like twenty years, blah 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 and so on and so forth. And it was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like a little it's like a little added touch like on top of like playing like uh, the Kirby games and stuff because you know what that's kind of it really means something you know because I've been playing the Kirby games since the original Kirby's Dream Land on Game Boy off and on and that was kind of that was a really fun like little little touch in and of itself
0: yeah
1: so throughout my playthrough I told you already I only died twice I collected like about absurd number of lives. I did have some fun with experimenting with uh, the different type of abilities, the different types of, like, the whole dream fountain stuff. I did that for a couple of times, and I just didn't really feel like I was prompted to do that, because I thought just, like, giving the abilities would be, like, a better suited idea. I tried out guys, like, say, team day-to-day and stuff, and, like, Meta Knight, but, uh... Let's see. At the same time... I kind of felt like uh, the ch- yeah the challenge could have been better, obviously. Would I play through this game again? I probably would if, say, I had more people with me. Because this definitely is a game that you can finish. You can play it by yourself and have a good time. But yeah. I feel this game would be incredibly better if you had, like, about... Maybe another person playing beside you. Or, like, a maybe a four-player co-op and then just, like, mixing around. And also that reminds me of something towards the final portions of like the final battles i noticed little AI quirks and this is this is really funny when I think about it now here I am attacking the boss and stuff and I have a cluster of three of my AI allies which they were pretty decent throughout the entire game right they're triggering triggers and stuff they figure out automatically oh I got to go through I got to trigger this in order to advance the stage or do this and do that now while I'm walloping upon the final boss all three of them in a the cluster are looking at me like what They're just standing there, literally just standing there, just, like, watching me attack this thing. Oh, what's even worse is, like, when you try to, like, get little elements, like, added to your weapons, sometimes, sometimes during boss battles, they don't even want to go ahead and, like, give their abilities to you. So here I am, I'm, like, holding my, like, my, uh, staff in the air or something, or my sword in the air, and I look at my freaking fire and, like, uh, ice element guys, and they're all just, just, like, staring at me or something like that, not doing anything, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave me hanging! Don't leave me hanging! (laughs) It's like, just... But uh, other other than those little quirks, I honestly feel like this game is worthy of a playthrough. I mean, I finished it, but I would definitely wait. For anybody who's on the fence about this game, I would not pick it up at a full $60 retail price. Why? Because I feel like the average gamer who has a bit of experience with some... Maybe they haven't played too many Kirby games, or maybe, like, uh, they have played Kirby games and stuff. If you're going to play one and you own a 3DS, I would recommend either playing Triple Deluxe or maybe playing Robobot before I would play, like, uh, Star Allies. Why? Because those games do offer plenty of, like, decent challenges, but they also have, like, good extra feature, like, good, like, extra unlockables as well. For Star Allies, I would give it a passable rating. I probably would... I probably would give it, like, about a 7. Out of ten, hmm. which is not bad. You know, it's a good game. At its core, it's a good game. I feel like if you pick it up, say, used, maybe for like about 30 bucks or like something like that, that in and of itself I feel is more appropriate for what you get. But uh, other than Star Allies, I did play another game on my Switch. And it is Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon.
0: Nice. Well, Real quick, do you hear about the weird delays for this game? The
1: weird delays?
0: Yeah, so like at the last minute... Um... The Xbox One and PS4 versions got delayed like two weeks. Really? Yeah. So people that were like, because this was like, you know, it's Kickstarter. This is part of the Kickstarter uh, deal. They raised X amount of money. You get this prequel. Um, and so the people that were supposed to get an Xbox One and PS4 version, they gave them temporary Steam keys to make up oh, for it. And then when yes, it comes, yes. And then when it comes out uh, on the other ones, they'll get the keys. But yeah, I thought that was kind of just a, it's like. So the game came out like Thursday. Um, and it was like Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that the game got delayed on the other two consoles
1: I will this say this weird. I will say this though that is really weird and I really understand what some of those backstart you know the kick oh god kickstarter. the kickstarters yep. the whole kick, backstarters the whole kickstarter <laughs> people who supported that game yeah I can understand the frustration getting a yeah. Steam key while you want to play on the PS4 and Xbox One I mean it is. But, uh, uh, IG,
0: IG sorry IGN's Jared Petty is getting a beta physical Vita version of this game. Jesus Christ! So, uh, so this well uh, the the actual Bloodstained game. So that might be the last beta game physical version of a beta game you'll ever be able to get.
1: Yeah, honestly, that probably is going to be the case for that. Yeah. <laughs> How's going? Like? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but anyway, I went forth after work Thursday. I downloaded Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon. I had a chance to play it, and oh my gosh. It feels exactly like an old Castlevania game, up to its core, up to its gameplay, the aesthetic of it. I mean, sure, sure, it's reworked for modern stand, like for modern settings and stuff. There are elements inside the visual presentation, like the foreground, the background works and things like that, that remind me of modern games. I mean, that's in and of itself, that's kind of a given, but the way the sprite work is the way the tutorials are handed like handled and stuff this game has an option to whether or not you want to play in the veteran sort of stand where you have like four lives or unlimited lives with casual so technically tyler if you ever wanted to play this game you have unlimited lives
0: oh (laughs) that sounds perfect for me are you saying i'm bad at video games gables
1: no, I'm not saying you're bad at
0: video. I'm just saying you. If you are, I'm you're very accurate. Saying I'm, I'm just I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're on the we're on the same page. Here.
1: I'm just saying that anyone could actually go through and play through this game to the end. Oh, and speaking of like uh, the game in of itself, it surprises the hell out of me that this game is only ten dollars. Oh, that's a good deal. That is a good deal, and it offers at the moment I think there's about five levels or something like that of this game.
0: Yep, five levels. I
1: I've only I am on level 3, I wanted to say. Yes, level 3. At the moment I've played as Zangetsu, the whole sword wielding guy that can like do power-ups and this and that, as Miriam and stuff with her whip and like her like uh her high okay. jump and this and that. I currently unlocked the Alchemist guy, which I'm going through his stage right now, and oh my god, I am noticing the difficulty spike. <laughs> I am definitely noticing a difficulty spike when you come to World Three because if you do not use his like alchemist ability or something like that, like basically for all the characters, if you press the X button, it unlocks like a specific ability that they got, depending upon the sub item that they hold. So for him, for the alchemist, you can actually like unleash like a wall, like a like a freaking like a wheel of fire or something that surrounds you, sort of like a barrier. And you're supposed to go all the way to the end of, like, this particular corridor. Like, knocking out enemies, doing this and that, while that's going up active. On the way, you can still collect, like, little hearts, little, like, potion things to replenish. Because that's what you gotta do. You gotta replenish your stamina meter and stuff in order to use these sub-weapons. So, while I'm doing that, I, this is the first time in this game... ...that I've played where the difficulty in and of itself is the reasoning why I've lost a few lives. (laughs) Now, before, I was only maybe losing a life maybe once or some in a boss battle. That's what happened with the first boss and then the second boss. But it gradually gets more difficult with each stage. I like that. It's very Castlevania-esque. Well, obviously it is so, because a lot of this game's influence and a lot of the game's aesthetics and the whole switching of characters on the fly is very reminiscent of Castlevania 3: Dracula's Curse for the NES. It's done like that on purpose because the person responsible for creating Bloodstain Curse of the Moon and the later like Ritual, like Bloodstain like Ritual or something like that. I forgot the actual name of the Kickstarter game now. <laughs> I'll look it up. Yep. Yeah. But uh, anyway, his main inspiration while creating Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Rondo and stuff like that, he looked towards Castlevania 3. And you can totally tell a lot of the influence with the level designs, the actual silhouettes of the characters remind me very much of, like, say, Trevor Belmont and Alucard and, like, Sypha from that game. Even, like, Grant Dynasty to a certain extent, the pirate so, it's kind of funny how there's four controllable characters in Bloodstain Curse of the Darkness, and, not Curse of the Darkness, like, Curse of the Moon. Yep. <laughs> Taking another Castlevania game. Damn. <laughs> anyway, being able to decipher between the Bloodstained and Castlevania is starting to become difficult, because it's very fucking similar.
0: <laughs> I used to keep calling it the new Castlevania game. <laughs> i was talking to make it work, but I'm like, yeah, the new Castlevania game comes out this week. <laughs> that's not true at all by the way the uh the the actual the the main one's gonna be ritual of the night
1: ritual of the night so i yep. was not right about ritual yep so i like i was saying i just find it funny how there's four playable characters in castlevania 3 and there is four characters playable in like A curse of the moon and they're very similar in terms of things the only thing the only things that I have seen so far that uh, maybe a little bit deterring and stuff is a little bit of the same sort of flaws that some of the Castlevania games on the NES had, especially if you have it in veteran mode. Now, when you play Castlevania, if you get hit by an enemy or you get hit by a little projectile or something, there's a knockback. And basically your character sprite gets knocked back like a panel or two in the back, mm-hmm. you know, backwards. The same thing's prevalent inside the Veteran mode for Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. And so there was a, there have been quite a few instances in Stage 3 where I have jumped and I've been hit by something and all of a sudden I go catavolting kind of right down a pit. <laughs> you play, what,
0: what difficulty are you playing this on?
1: I'm playing on Veteran. I'm okay. debating whether or not I should switch to the casual one because I do want to play through this game all the way and like not take like a fucking couple hours <laughs> yeah so is
0: uh veteran like the normal
1: yes veteran is the okay. equivalent of like the normal setting okay the only difference between the veteran and the casual settings is one the casual settings has unlimited unlimited lives and there is no knockback when you get hit by enemies okay
0: yeah i heard there was the knockback thing you were like uh you wouldn't get damaged that makes sense i guess i didn't know it was a casual only thing
1: yeah, yeah, the casual only thing you can, you basically cannot be knocked back by that little effect, and you cannot like basically you cannot freaking like get a game over. But in Veteran Mode, you're set to like five lives and stuff. I've already lost like about three, I want to <sighs> say, <laughs> three lives like every individual like level or something like that. But uh, the game quality in of itself is very well done. The controls are tight. The amount of the amount of playability for this game is high. I got to admit, playing this game, it makes me want to power on an NES and actually play some of these older games. It has that type of a, like appeal. It has that type of replay value, in my opinion. The bosses are pretty fun. I mean, I faced off against a freaking like freaking like gigantic like uh, demonic locomotive train. <laughs> I know it's so bizarre but yet it's really hilarious in and of itself. Then I have that face this giant sea creature in another stage, and then, oh man, it just keeps going higher and higher and stuff. But uh, my initial impression for Curse of the Moon is very positive. The game looks beautiful, the gameplay's tight, the soundtrack's fantastic, plus it has, it has that old-school challenge, plus the reworked things where if somebody just wants to go through, play through the game and enjoy it, everything seems to be there and quite honestly my gameplay experience with curse of the moon definitely feels more positive and like much more up there than say playing through the entirety of star allies even though that game was good i still have like a higher regards here for curse of the moon at the moment they're both like similar games being that they're platformers but other than that though there's a clear difference in quality in terms of like difficulty in terms of fidelity and in terms of like uh you know, just replayability in and of itself. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing for this week.
0: All right, Gable. So, while we were talking about what we've been playing, I thought of a cool thing we could do to celebrate our five-year anniversary before we get to the news. Okay. So, what I want us to do is we're going to rank our five favorite games. Um, sorry, let me rephrase that here. Our number one game of the years for the last five years. So, 2013-2017. Oh, boy. So, I have this notebook here that I always write down our notes for from where we do Game of the Year stuff, and I keep track. I have, uh, I've had it here since the beginning of the show. It's been sitting, always been sitting next to my computer or my laptop, whatever I was using at the time. Wow, I think I've gone to like four different computers in that time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I've always had this one. I always kept track. It has all our Game of the Generation stuff on it. it has any notes I have wrote down for shows. Um, all of our Game of the Year stuff is here. Um, so I'm going to go through our list here. And uh, we will rank, in order, five through one, uh, what we think. Basically, it'll be be, the best show, or the best game, the uh, best game of the last five years for us. Uh, So, in 2013, uh, I said Last of Us. You said Pokemon X and Y. Okay. Uh, 2014, uh, 2014. 2014, (laughs) I said South Park Sick of Truth. You said Mario Kart 8. Uh, 2015, MGS 5. And you said Super Mario. I said uh, Mario Gear Solid 5. You said Super Mario Maker. Uh, 2016, I said Last Guardian. 2016, you said Uncharted 4. And then last year, 2017, I said Horizon Zero Dawn. And you said Mario Odyssey. Mm. So, hmm. um, you are Pokemon X and Y, Mario Kart 8, Super Mario Maker, Uncharted 4, Mario Odyssey. I am Last of Us, South Park Stick of Truth, Metal Gear Solid 5, Last Guardian, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, So... <laughs> If you want a couple seconds, I will attempt to rank mine right now. All right, go ahead and rank yours uh, first. Then, So I literally, um, I just kind of, I, I couldn't remember all of them, so I, I was, like, literally writing them down uh, just a moment ago. So I'm basically going to be ranking this off the fly for, uh, as well. Um, number five, ooh, boy. South Park's Stick of Truth, probably, number five for me. Um, oh, God. This is a bad idea, Gables. <laughs> I already hate this. That's uh, why
1: I made you go first.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh oh boy. So Alright, number four. So five is South Park Secret Truth. Four is oh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um uh, Three go. Three go three go three go. Number three This, this is stupid. This is really bad. Uh, oh, Last Guardian. I guess. Ah, I hate myself for that. Uh, <laughs> number two. Uh, Mel Salt Five. Number one, Last of Us. Damn, dude. <sighs> okay, that uh... that that might be the worst idea I've ever had in my entire life. All right. Um, Gables, uh, do you want me to go through yours a little quick, or you got them?
1: Uh, let's see. Read through mine one more time.
0: Alright, Pokemon X and Y. Mm-hmm. Mario Kart 8. Yep. Super Mario Maker. Mm-hmm. Uncharted 4. Super mm-hmm. Mario
1: Odyssey. Alright, I know for the fifth one is going to be Pokemon X and Y. Mm-hmm. I mean, having recently played through that, I know for a fact that... Uh, yeah, I think I may have jumped the gun a little bit when I ranked that as my number one of that year. But um, after that it would be Super Mario Maker... Mario Maker, Super Mario Maker was a fun game, but yeah. uh, it definitely ranks above X and Y now, retrospectively, thinking about it. Then Mario Kart 8, number 3. Ooh. Damn, that game is so fantastic, though. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic, and I played it through again on the Switch. Number 2 would have to be Uncharted 4. Uncharted 4 definitely is a great game. It is definitely... It was my game of the year back at around 2016, and for good reason too. Even with a tough year in competing with like with Doom, Last Guardian. Oh god! Oh yeah, the Last Guardian for you, but I never had a chance to play that.
0: <laughs> you cables. I, I want to point out that my Last Guardian statue was just staring at me right now. Trico is so pissed at me for putting in number three. <laughs> I'm going to sleep with one eye open tonight.
1: But I still heavenly think that Uncharted 4 was the best game of that year. Mm. But uh, for number one, obviously, is Super Mario Odyssey. And the reason why I say that is because, bar none, I feel it's the best 3D Mario game that has come out in the past couple decades.
0: Super Mario and 3D World.
1: Even better than the Super Mario 3D World, I believe. But, in terms mm. of, like, the overall quality of the game, I had a hell of a time. I had a ball playing through Odyssey more so than I did Uncharted 4. Uncharted 4, I loved playing through it. It's The last Porsche... The last person you face person that you face in that final like uh battle on that fucking boat man that that kind of broke me a little bit because it was just like a repetitive okay let's do this do that let's do a little quick time stuff here and there but other than that the game experience was fantastic
0: yeah uncharted's pretty terrible at last bosses
1: yeah that's true traditionally i mean what you had the whole gabriel robin stuff like no not gabriel robin you had the whole fucking Oh, God, it was Eddie Raja with, like, some stuff... Oh, it was that dude that was the assistant of Gabriel Roman in the first game.
0: Yeah.
1: Then you had, like, uh... Then you had that freaking Russian guy for the last final boss for Uncharted 2 with that fucking tree that you had to try to avoid him and stuff. Oh,
0: that sucked. And
1: then you had the anticlimactic thing with Barlow in Uncharted 3. And then Uncharted 4... Uh, yeah, Uncharted Four at least was better than like two, uh, <laughs> like one, two, and three when it comes to the final portion. But it surprisingly,
0: was... Lost Legacy is probably the is actually the best final boss fight.
1: I think so, honestly. Oh, maybe even better than like say, I'm not too sure. Maybe Golden Abyss. Golden Abyss. I didn't play Golden game. Abyss. I played I really it through on Vita. It was definitely a good Uncharted game. It's better than the original. I'm still I'll hoping they... that much.
0: I'm still hoping they ported it one day.
1: Well, they ported other Vita classics like Gravity Rush and Tearaway and stuff. So,
0: possibly
1: Golden Abyss. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, maybe. it would be fun to check out. Go on, so, though. I'm sorry.
1: But, yeah, so... Yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer to me. It's kind of funny how, like, I have, like, four Nintendo games, like, at the number one spot for specific <laughs> years. And then, like, is The Anomaly. Yeah. Fucking like, Uncharted 4. Well, you have all of them are fucking PlayStation games. Well,
0: <laughs> holy shit, you're, well, no, well, three are PlayStation exclusives, Last of Us, Last Guardian Horizon. Yeah. South Park, um, was a last generation oh, game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 and, You
1: played that there on the 360 then.
0: Yep, that was before it got ported. That was, like, the last, that game came out, like, six months after the new consoles, and then, MGS yeah, 5 sure. was on everything, so.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. So, yeah, you know, X and Y for 5, Super Mario Maker for 4, Mario Kart 8 at 3, Uncharted 4 at 2, and number 1 out of the past 5 years is Super Mario Odyssey.
0: I hate my list. I'm (laughs) never happy with my list, though. I can't believe MGS5 is number (laughs) 2. That's crazy. Wow. It's going to be interesting when we do our, our, uh, oh man, I was just thinking Game of the Generation. Dude, this you know generation. what? That be could crazy.
1: be. That could be coming up sooner as we think.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did. They said something about the end of the the PlayStation getting to the last uh, part of its you know life cycle, and they were talking about March twenty twenty one. I don't know. I, I didn't put it in the show notes because it was just kind of like, what do we say? Yeah. Because it's been talked. We just talked about it like a month ago when there was rumors of twenty twenty. The only um, thing,
1: yeah. The only thing really I could say about that. In of itself is last generation like i said before and i'm going to use this term again it was an anomaly because of the ongoing recession and that's why the gaming generation stretched for as long as it did with the wii the ps3 and the 360 now we're in a traditional sort of console year like console cycle where it feels like six-year cycle ps4 xbox one we're getting towards that limit now the next generation beyond that, we know there's going to be consoles. It's not going to be like what people thought at the beginning of this one, where it's going to be like streaming services doing this and doing that and stuff, and that's it.
0: Yeah. But, my 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 whole point it, it will be for this. I mean, what's the uh, what's the selling point other than graphics for the next generation? Uh,
1: exactly.
0: But I mean, the the twenty twenty one thing, uh, the March twenty twenty one is what they said in like a uh, financial report or something, but. Uh, people were saying, "Oh, that means the new console will come out until 2020 at the earliest." But to me, that means that's when they're going to stop. Like the PS3, they they, they kept making PS3s for like three or four years. Like yes, they just they stopped did. making them like two years ago. Um, so to me, that can say, "Oh, well, the, the PS5 come out in 2019, but we're going to support the PS4 until 2021." Um, it's just it's a super vague statement um, that it's disappointing to hear for me because I'm I don't th- I think. I still feel that, like, in the last year... Really, last year was, like, when we really, like, the great, 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 great games um, started yeah. And there was, there was some good ones before. There was really great games before, like, Doom, Uncharted 4, things like that, MGS5. Um, but uh, it wasn't really until 2016 that those, like, uh, like, we kind of went away from the 360 and PS3. Um, so, we're really only in, like, year 3 of true... Very true. This generation games. So, if we I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, obviously, the...
1: well, that's just a thing, Tyler. It's kind of happened a bit later than it did in the previous generation, where it's like 2007 was more or less marked as the beginning of, oh, hey, here's a lot of big name games that are fantastic, yeah. genre dividing things like doing that, and that was like a couple of years, like that was like a couple of years after like the Xbox 360's release, yeah. and like a year after the PS3's release,
0: and the Wii. Yeah.
1: No, no, we as well, but yeah, at the same so. point, it's a good point where it's like last year, last year, this basically had a lot of good genre defining games released all at once on the PS4, in the Xbox One, and Switch as well, but yeah. predominantly, if we're talking about the PS4's case, you had Uncharted 4, and you had like that, yeah, first, a good first party game, like Uncharted 4 2016 they had doom in the same year and stuff. That's a good third party, but last year you had like Horizon Zero Dawn. You had Nier Automata. You had Persona 5. I mean, just on you know, just just a little cusp of what was initially was a fantastic year for gaming in and of itself.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think we're still feeling that this year and that's kind of how I mean it's I a mean, gaming
1: hangover pretty much.
0: Yeah, I mean year. we obviously we've had got a war. We had some great games. Detroit just came out um Red Dead Redemption should still come out, but I feel yep. like this year isn't going to be as packed as years past have been. Um, I think this is still going to be a really good, pretty, a pretty good year. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought 2016 and 17 were just um, really. I mean, 2016 to me I, at that time was like that's an all-time great year. There was like yeah. six, seven games that are like to me like like next-level games, like. Uh, games where we'll talk about next generation. I'm like, remember these great games? Yep. Um, and 2017 just went out and blew it out of the water. So, um, where I feel like the 10th best game of 2017 might've been better than majority of the games that came out in 2016, yeah. um, for me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but we're going along, so we're going to jump into some of the topics here. Now, actually, before we get into the topics, did you download the Mario pro pro tennis demo? Yep. It, that's some bullshit right yeah i don't know so,
1: why in the hell that we cannot connect to the fucking servers without yes
0: so we talked about last week about the demo coming out and they, they the way they worded it it sounded like the, the demo's coming out may 24th and there's an offline mode but the, the you can't play online until uh, june 1st so it made it sound like you could play offline in that week before and then yeah. online the online uh competitive multi excuse me is only available uh, during next weekend, but kind of find out that, that none of it is available <laughs> until next weekend. So offline and uh, online is all going to be available. So why the hell would you release uh, um, a demo a week beforehand, over oh, a week beforehand? Good um, and then you can't even play it. So uh, it seemed like, a, I, I thought it was just me. And then I no. went online, I looked, and everybody was like, oh, sweet. The Mario Pro Tennis demo, or yeah, Mario Tennis Pro, whatever that's called, is out now. I can't wait to go Gosh. home and play it. And then it was just like scrolling through, and I'm just like at like the excitement of it coming out, and then like the people, re- the realization of people finding out you can't actually play it. Um, it does not make super sense. Super weird. Yeah, no, it's just really weird. Um, usually when a demo comes out, I mean, I know like Splatoon and like Arms and all. Then they like released the demo like a day earlier, so a, d- a couple days early. Right. But they like say, hey, this is this is online only thing. This is the offline. the way they worded the whole thing was just super weird. Uh, so what's what's a lot also of super
1: weird about it is, even if you try to face off against CPU characters, you cannot do so because it's yeah. got to be connected to the freaking server. Come yeah. on, that's an offline feature.
0: I'm hoping they uh, they you know uh, fix that, but uh, I don't I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was just really weird. Uh, Justin and I were texting back and forth about it and like trying to figure it out, and I went online and finally uh, you know figured. It. I'm like, maybe it's just a server, maybe it's just the servers like it was overloaded, and you can't get 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 a game playing. And then find out, no, just we can play it. Yep. Um, but speaking of Nintendo, um, a couple things we've been it's been very Nintendo heavy with rumors and uh, news and leaks and everything like that. But uh, a yeah. couple a couple of Nintendo topics this week. Uh, f- fairly light week. I am um, thinking. I am wondering if it's just because of the holiday Memorial Day weekend, so not a lot of news going on. Everybody's kind of on vacation. Um, so, but uh, this is a pr- this would be I consider. Like, any other time of the year, a really good, a, a pretty good to really good week of news. Yes. Uh, but this time of year, a fairly light week, uh, um, uh, news week, I guess. I don't, I, I said, you know, I used the word week too many times in that sentence. But, um, moving on. Sorry. So, go through a couple of Nintendo, uh, news items real quick. Uh, first up, Nintendo has, uh, officially applied for a trademark for N64, Nintendo 64. and uh, The trademark, uh, covers, uh, as a video game program controller for a game machine joystick for a video game machine, TV game machine, and more. Uh, Nintendo applied for uh, well, so people were freaking out. Oh, it's the N64 uh, mini is coming out. It's, it's happening. The N64 Classic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but actually, Nintendo applied for a trademark for the Game Boy last year, and we haven't heard it about this time last year, and we haven't heard anything about it since. So it doesn't necessarily mean um, that's the case. We're going to see a classic, but. Um, it's kind of weird timing, especially with uh, just announcing that the NES Classic and SNES Classic are coming back. Speaking of, I just bought another European SNES Classic. Gables watched me unbox it. Uh, then I <laughs> yes, pre-ordered. I, I, I got I bought the European one because of the cool uh, colored uh, controllers, uh, and then I, I pre-ordered a NES Classic from the UK. So I'm just gonna go straight UK for all my uh, my uh, NES or Nintendo Classic machines. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, does this... Do you feel like this is inevitable that we're going to see the N64 Classic?
1: Well, nothing's really set in stone. What it sounds like to me at the moment in time... You are correct when Nintendo did file trademarks for the Game Boy late last year, actually. Actually, it was around this time last year, to be more exact. But... I believe they did that in order to just renew the trademark on it, considering that they hadn't used the Game Boy like uh, trademarking license for quite a while. Plus, yeah. if you don't use them for a, like a finite number of years, it will expire and it becomes public domain.
0: Well, so, those are patents. These are like a trademark thing. I don't understand oh, trademark.
1: My my misunderstandings right there. Yeah. But I don't um, understand
0: it either. So don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my errors aside. The N64 thing, it definitely feels different in terms of this standard because of the specific wordings were like, plug-and-play, like like plug-and-TV sort of, like, aspect in the trademarks and stuff. This could potentially be an N64 Mini, as it were. At the same time, I believe that uh, it's possible, and that could be the case for it, considering the reintroductions of the NES and the SNES classics to the States to be like uh, restocked and like the whole demand for it was highly successful because well it's Nintendo right their back catalog of games no matter what service no matter what things it's going to be on people are going to buy them in droves and it's going to sell out in droves because of the (laughs) because of the name alone and the quality of games associated with it so yes, I do believe that this uh, is a prelude to an n64 mini but I'm not sure we will hear about it anytime soon
0: yeah i'm I'm in agreement I think this is uh I think the game boy th- was done the game boy trademark and this were done uh, not like I said set in stone this isn't guaranteed but I feel like more than likely this is gonna happen um I really doubt it's gonna happen this year um especially i I, I think that I could definitely I see the n64 classic happening. Uh I see a very good chance of that happening. Being maybe being announced late this year or early next year. Um but as far as this year goes, I don't think so with, it, with them just announcing that uh NAS Classic and SNS classic are coming back in uh, late June, June 29th and they're gonna be on sale for the rest of the year. So I think they don't yep. wanna cannibalize themselves. Uh, more like people that are really upset about getting those old ones now have another chance of getting getting them again. And then also, hey, here's a brand new thing. So I feel like it it would make the most sense to just wait another year, uh, kind of get the last bit of sales out of these old um, these first two, and then next year jump into the N64 Classic. But uh, right, if, uh, I remember last about this time last year when uh, we we did uh our own like if they made an N64 Classic. Uh, what game should be on it. I kinda go back and listen to it now and find out I can't remember all the games we put on there, but uh, it
1: sounds vaguely familiar. I think we did do that last year.
0: Yeah, I remember we, I think we did like fifteen games. Yes. Um so yeah. Uh I agree. I, I with everything you just said though, yeah. So I but next year I think it's highly likely we're gonna happen it's gonna happen. But uh also the other Nintendo topic really this week is uh so Resident Evil seven is coming to the Switch. Uh in Japan only. Via the cloud. Um, <laughs> so is it's released, like I said, exclusively on the Japanese eShop. Uh, it includes all of the uh, DLC, all four DLC packs. Um, like I said, only available on the cloud. Uh, and and kind of translating over to American dollars, it's like 18 bucks for 180 days, so six months. Right. Uh, so I guess, I didn't know this, but there was another, like Phantasy Star Online, is available via the cloud only, uh, which is, is that Sega or Capcom? That's Sega, right? That's Sega. Yeah, yes, so this Sega. is a Capcom game. Resident Evil 7 is. Uh, but, so apparently they've been doing this for a while now with uh, with the cloud streaming. But, do you, I mean, so first question, do you see this happening? Do you, you think this will this come to the U.S. or is this maybe like a, a Japanese only thing? Because Sega and Capcom, Japanese companies, the servers are there. So it works better, it be a little more difficult, a little more cost, costly here in America. But uh, do you see this could be possibly a game changer for the Switch if this takes off outside of Japan? Well,
1: let's see. First question I want to answer at the moment here is regards to the whole aspect of Resident Evil 7 being available in the cloud. I do believe that there's a possibility that it will release inside the U.S., but it's kind of interesting that this is actually the first game of its type on the Switch available via the cloud like cloud streaming pretty much yep. you download it for a finet fee and then you can play it for basically almost sort of similar in scope to how Gaikai is for like Playstation 4 with the whole Playstation oh, yeah. Now stuff yep. where it's a set time like you basically can run it for how long as you want and then you pay like 20 bucks, do this and do that that's a feature that we did not even know was possible on the Switch. Now, do I think that we will possibly see something like that in the U.S.? Yes. Will it be Resident Evil 7? I have no idea. But this definitely sounds... This definitely sounds like something we're going to hear more at, at E3, potentially, for that Nintendo's video presentation that they have going on. Mm-hmm. But... uh Do I think it's going to be a game-changer if this ends up being the case? Well, potentially, because you have bigger games that may not fit the parameters of, uh, say, the downloading size. But, like, on uh, the Switch, you know, could be... Well, it could be a realm where you can actually just stream it and stuff and do this and do that. But even so, it's like you would still have to download some bits, I would think, you know, in order to, like... uh, To play the game in and of itself but it's kind of hard to just try to like think of it right now i'm not too sure if it can be a game changer but it would definitely be a good idea to at least have some games available on the cloud in order to rent you know yeah so it's more or less a wait and see approach really if that ends up being the case so that's pretty much what i think about it
0: yeah i mean i kind of agree with you where this this could be big for them where, um, this would be easier way to port, easier, probably cheaper way to port, um, some of the bigger games that are on, like, third-party games are on the PS4 and Xbox. Yes. Uh, now, and, now we don't have to, people don't have to, like, downgrade them, like, Ubisoft and Bethesda have been doing them, um, and working around, like, Skyrim being put on there, Stick of Truth, uh, you know, Wolfenstein 2, Doom, um, they want to do you know hire a whole another team from probably a different company or whatever to uh make this thing fit and work on there um uh, now we they can just hey we can just we can stream it via the cloud uh, obviously that's not cheap and that's not maybe there's a lot more going into it than um than I think obviously I'm not a game developer or anything I don't know how games work uh, but uh, game making works already how actually games work i can't figure it out I'm terrible at them uh but uh, I, I do. I do think this could, this could be big for them. It, like, if we can, if EA like see, like sees like, oh, this is it sees this as potentially something big, and that gets them involved. I know they haven't been big supporters of them. Like, they had the FIFA last year, but it was kind of a half ass attempt at getting on the switch. Yep. Um They put fee on there, but that was not everything. It's a small digital fee or whatever it's called. Um, but. I mean, if this is this could be a potentially good way to get that third part, that third party support back, and fully get third party support back. Not where we're getting ports, or we're getting Doom a year and a half later, or we're getting Wolfenstein eight months later, we're uh, getting or, get, or get in downgraded versions at that uh, Skyrim nine years later, what the hell it is seven years later. Uh, you know, we can start seeing the games at what they really are on the Switch, and uh, more reliably and we don't want, you know, it's, we can get them out. Maybe we can possibly see them at launch, you know, maybe we we'll, maybe we, we could see, obviously this won't happen, but like a Red Dead Redemption two could potentially be on the switch. Uh, obviously the portability aspect of it, it goes out the window, but, um, you know, if, if you are someone that plays a doctor wants to play a doc, maybe you only have a switch or whatever. Uh, this, this is your opportunity to do that. Or if you, that's your preferred way of playing, you got it right there. Um, but I don't know. I, I think this. I mean, I don't really see any of that happening. Uh, or, I don't. I doubt it's going to happen. Uh, but I mean, it's just kind of the possibilities for that are endless. I think this could be uh, potentially a huge, huge, huge thing for Nintendo. Uh, not just for the Switch, but in the future. Where like if this if this were to take off and be a thing, uh, the next console that Nintendo makes after the Switch. Uh, you know they can have a lot more support out the gate um, from from everybody, not just themselves, and getting some weird ports and you know whatever. But I don't know. I think I think it's cool. Uh, but moving on to some non non-Ninten- uh, Nintendo topics, um, Battlefield Five or Battlefield V rather uh, was revealed. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors lately, but uh, so official um, they had a stream out there. I didn't watch it. I don't think a lot of people watched it, but just kind of. I watched the trailer. It's like an hour long, and there's like a three-minute trailer out of it. A lot of talking. Um, uh. Yeah. So the trailer looked pretty cool, though. Um, it goes back in World War II, as rumors said. It comes out October 19th, the, the very week, uh, exactly one week after uh, Black Ops 4 does. Uh, it will not have a premium pass, and uh, and all the all the post-release content will be for, will be free. So the massively free. All the uh, Side content they do will be free, and there will be no loot boxes, no okay. um, nothing like that, no uh, you know, like costumes, stuff like that. There's nothing basically, you just from what they're saying, you spend 60 bucks, and that's all you spend. Everything else you get out of that, cosmetics, all that stuff, mm. is free. Uh, so that's great to hear. Uh, like I said, Battlefield 5 set during World War II. Uh, the single player is—they're going, going to do the kind of the same thing they did with Battlefield One, which I thought was a really cool way of doing it, where it's um, just like a bunch of single player stories, like an hour or so long. Um, they're calling them uh, war stories, is kind of what they're using for it. But they said they promised that in this, they're going to use a lot of um, characters and areas that you don't really commonly see in uh, World War II, where we've seen—I mean, the storming of Normandy, like a million, like every World War II game started with that uh we've joked about that forever um but it's true uh so hopefully that means we can see a lot more a lot more than that we've seen a lot of uh, european stuff but we haven't seen anything else really uh so it'd be cool to possibly see some more of that um and then there was rumors of them having a battle royale mode and there was no talk of it at the at the reveal um but they did announce uh something called operations mode um and it is a uh, so I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read exactly what the article said. So operation mode makes a return to Battlefield 5 as an even bigger grand operations, which will feature an extra round for tight games called Last Stand. During Last Stand rounds, uh, which acts as a sudden death for close matches, players fight until the last one, the last man left standing, uh, which determines the winner. So not exactly a. It's basically like the overtime mode is turned into like uh, a battle royale mode, where it's like it just takes all the players. So, if you're doing like, you know, there's 64 players in that, in the, when the, their big game they have, um, and it's a close game or there's a tie at the end, you guys, it's 32 v 32. Last team with a player standing wins, which sounds really cool. Uh, so, kind of the details coming out of it, uh, I think it sounds kind of cool. I'm definitely more interested in this than I am Black Ops 4, um, especially the fact that there's, there's a campaign, there's an actual campaign to a single player story, um, and just like that, that that one aspect alone uh, intrigues me. Everything about it doesn't really, other than the loot boxing going away. Um, yeah. I know Anthem, they've already said there's going to be uh, loot boxes in it or cosmetic stuff, at least, in it. Um, but just going away from the premium passes, I think, is interesting. Because uh, I feel like they didn't really have to, uh, the, the, all the backlash towards it, they didn't really have to go away from it. but uh, Right. Because it, it's, I mean, it's, it's an additional 50 bucks. that's... Uh, the hardcore game. I think the hardcore fans of the game will still buy it. Still they still uh will use it, but uh it's going away. Um yeah, I I I'm blown away by this as far as like zero interest in it, and then all the details are read right about it. Um I guess maybe shouldn't say in truth, like maybe want to play the game, but make me I have a lot more positive outlook on this game than I do uh coming out of Black Ops 4 reveal. What about you, Gables?
1: All right, I will go over what I do like about this. One, it does have its own single-player campaign that's modeled after World War II, and from what they make it sound like it's going to be somewhat different than what we would actually go forth with, like, the World War II, like, actual games itself, like, the whole, <laughs> like, try to go forth and retread upon classics like the Battle of Normandy and this and that. I mean, that's good that they're going into it in other different directions. I think it would be funny if, say, they went back to carrier pigeons in terms of like certain yes! things. Yes, <laughs>
0: that was a, the best part of Battlefield One. I completely forgot about that. The
1: controls of the fucking pigeons in that fucking <sighs> Battlefield One was ridiculous, though. It was I awful. will admit, but awful uh, and the
0: best part about the game still somehow.
1: Also, I kind of wonder if, in and of itself, or something like that, if there's going to be a moment in this coming E3 at their freaking like. Uh, their old EA plays events or something like that, have fucking Snoop Dogg again on their team, like fucking smoking weed while playing <sighs> Battlefield. Weed 3-2? No, I'm
0: good
1: Weed 3-2. Oh, God. I still remember the freaking giant bomb guys and their coverage and stuff. It's like, it's like well, look at... It's like, he's got a secret weapon. I wonder if it's weed. What if it's weird or something like that? They run on the backboard all of a sudden they watch as they show a clip of Snoop Dogg or something like that <laughs> in silhouette with a freaking joint hanging from his mouth while playing on the Xbox One yeah. controller and they're all pointing to the backboard. <laughs>
0: we. <laughs> what I... Efron is stoned out of his mind.
1: Dude, that was my favorite moment <laughs> throughout that entire E3 and it was amazing.
0: One of the best moments of E3 in a long time.
1: Alright, now that I got some of the positive stuff out of the way... The whole thing about there no being season passes, not any type of loot boxes or something like that. EA literally trying to promise the moon to make sure that this game has sort of like a seamless launch. My question to them would be, what's the catch? I say that not only in regards to their past couple games that they've released, the Battlefront 2, the latest Need for Speed that they released that did require loot boxes, that did require a little transfer stuff... You gotta know that sooner or later, some there's going to be more content that's going to be charged and that's going to be separately available for this battlefield, like World War, you know, Battlefield Five. But essentially, there is going to be more stuff buyable as downloadable content. Come on, this is a major corporation we're talking about. Even if they're not releasing a season pass with a traditional sense, even if they're not charging little individual things for loot boxes. They still will work around some of the things where there may be some weapons you can download that's like maybe, I don't know, not, you know, superficial and shit or something like that. Or they'll come out with an expansion stuff that's going to be something that's going to be similar to how maybe Street Fighter V where, yeah, Street Fighter V was the last game, even though it was from Capcom, that touted, oh, hey, the digital content for this is free. You know, you get certain characters for free and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And how did that game release? How did that game's reaction come by? It was That's received good. it was received poorly. Why? Because a lot of the content was stripped out. A lot of the single player, the arcade mode, the this and that, there was characters missing. And what did Capcom end up doing? They ended up selling season passes for this game, going back against what they initially touted the game as. I see something potentially could be happening with Could be happening with Battlefield Five, whereas hey, they're saying that there's not going to be like season passes or any type of like downloadable stuff, and it's going to be all free and this and of itself. What are they taking out in terms of this whole overall experience here? That's what I'm. That's what I'm wanting to see beforehand because I'm not sold with this at all for Battlefield Five yet. The game definitely looks all right. What EA is promising right now sounds okay, but at the same point with the last couple of games that they've released in the past couple of years, be it Mass Effect Andromeda, whether it be the new Need for Speed, whether it be freaking Battlefront 2, I do not trust their business sense. So, we'll just see what happens
0: with that. Yeah, um, I understand that. I mean, especially with... That was a big thing coming about uh, last year at E3 when they announced... Uh, the EA's press conference, they announced... Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 will have no no uh, season pass. It's just everything's free. And we're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, that was a big thing. For, that was a big positive thing coming out of it. Yeah. And then, obviously, the loot box thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm the only thing I can think of is really... Um, this could be... I mean, DICE makes Battlefront and Battlefield, uh, I believe. And... Um, I mean, this could... I mean, if they came out and they did some stupid business practices, they can destroy... Probably their two of their biggest franchises in the Star Wars and Battlefield market, and also they're probably their most important uh, uh, development team, Dice, in one fell swoop and just a twelve month span. So I mean, I almost wonder if this is like uh, a complete make good counteract on their end, where like, all right, that went, re- we went way too far. We're gonna go the complete opposite direction, and we're gonna all the stuff that we normally charge you for is free. Uh, and there's no loot boxes uh, on top of that. So we're taking out everything that makes these games uh, way more profitable for them uh, long-term. Um, obviously, these are always one of the two or three highest-selling games of the year um, mm-hmm. up until last year at Battlefront 2, but still sold super well. Um, I think it's still like one of the more uh, highest-selling games of last month. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a good point that they bring up. I mean, like it's we can't trust EA yet. I mean, they have years and years and years of bad business practices. It's um, and, and them telling us cool things like this, it's kind of, you know, end up being there's a catch, and the catch is way worse. Um, but I was thinking about, too, though, with the, with the premium pass thing going away, um, it's probably a smart move. I feel like only, really only Call of Duty and, like, a dice game can get away with it at this point uh, because and it's something i talked about for years and years where it's like, there's so many multiplayer games out there nowadays where Call of Duty, and we talk about, all, I mean, I'm talking about several times where like, Call of Duty was like every, the one game all, my, all all of us had that we can all play. Um, every time we did a game night uh, with friends or talking ship or whatever, um, it was like, all right, well, what games do you guys have? And it's just like, maybe like three or four of us would have this game, but there's like six of us in the party, but everybody has Black Ops or Model Warfare 3 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and those days are long gone. And yep. um, now you're at the point where, where it's like, you you have it seems like every two weeks a new big double AA or triple A multiplayer game comes out, and uh, on top of that they have that they come and go so fast, and then they have premium passes or season passes on top of that. So then you're segregating the market even more. So it's like, hey, five of us in this, everybody in this group has uh, this game, but only two of us have bought season pass. Well, shit, yep. we can't play the season pass. Um, or we can't play this because only half of us have this content or one person is going to be left out. Uh, so I think we we could be seeing the beginning of the end, as far as season passes go for multiplayer shooters or multiplayer, you know, big multiplayer games, like obviously like far cry five single player, uh, games like that could have them still. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I, right now I'm trying, I'm going to try to be hopeful and positive about this. Uh, I know it's shocking because typically I'm not. I usually look. I'm, I'm more of a glass half-empty kind of guy uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But uh, I'm gonna try uh, just based off of everything that's happened to EA in the last, um, you know, eight months or so, uh, that they are trying to change their ways. Maybe not forever, but at least this year they're gonna try and change their ways, and uh, I'm just gonna try to be hopeful about it. But. Uh, Moving on to, uh, I think this will be—we're going a little long, so it's probably be our last topic, and it's not a super long one. But uh, this happened late last week, just kind of out of nowhere. But uh, Best Buy has uh, for he i have Troy talked me into it uh, last year, uh, a little over a year ago when he was on the show about the gamer club, uh, and it was like thirty bucks a year. I've never really been a Best Buy guy; I was always the Amazon, GameStop guy. And then uh, he told me that yeah, thirty bucks for two years. And you get twenty percent off every game, not just uh, pre-orders. Uh, and at that point, Amazon started it—you know—started the whole thing with like, if you're a Prime member, you get twenty percent off all every game, including Amiibos and accessories and all that. And then it was just like, well, you get twenty—all the accessory stuff. Amazon's like, okay, well, now you don't get twenty percent off the accessories; you just off the games. And then it was like, well, now you only get twenty uh, percent off if uh, off a game within—if you buy it within two weeks of being released. Uh, and then it was like, well, now you only get—now they're only. Now you only get a 20% discount if you pre-order the game. So if you buy if you buy the game, the day it comes out on Amazon, you don't get the discount. Um, but Best Buy Gamer Club, I loved it because just everything you got 20% off of. Uh, so my Amiibos, when I bought them on there, they were 20% off. Accessories, uh, every video game I bought was 20% off. And it was it's a really great deal. 30 bucks a year, even way cheaper than Amazon Prime. Obviously, Amazon Prime has a lot of other cool things. They have the video streaming service. But, uh, uh, you know, quarter of the price... Uh, and I was all in with the, with the Gamer Club stuff. I even have a Best Buy a, a credit card, and I, I buy everything with that. All my bills go on that. Everything every time I go to the grocery store, I get like get a percentage back, gets points back, and I always get uh, I get the twenty percent off, and then I get like uh, I get a bunch of points. And I, every couple months or so, I I uh, I get uh, I pretty much basically get a free game out of it. So I'm I pretty much went all in uh, about a year and a half ago on Best Buy and their Gamer Club where it comes to buying video games. Uh, and now, just out of nowhere, it's gone. Uh, and oddly enough, there's like Best Buy hasn't like said anything about it. They haven't like officially announced it's gone away. Uh, like the the Best Buy support Twitter account uh, said that they're no longer accepting purchases on it. Uh, there were some screenshots leaked of like people at the st- like, uh, employees at the stores released where it's like uh, showing them that they no longer uh, try to get people to buy this anymore don't uh, take all the signs down uh it's just kind of come and gone it sounds like if um you they're going to honor everybody's uh gamer club until it's gone until your uh membership ends Mine ends in like late february um i tried to hurry up and buy another two years um and i wasn't able to unfortunately but uh yeah it's come and gone uh really disappointing i mean that was a huge ordeal when like all this stuff started happening a few years ago with like amazon and best buy and now it's kind of just going away. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't, were you subscribed? I don't think you were subscribed to any of these, were you, Gable? Gables? No,
1: not really. I mean, I don't have a Best Buy anywhere in my general area. So, yeah, I was, I kind of missed the boat with that, though. It's incredibly sad, though, because gamers that used that service, especially if they had a local Best Buy close to them, they definitely did take advantage of some good stuff right there.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm probably gonna still use it because I have the Best Buy card, so I'm kind of, uh, I'll I'll still use it to get when I get the points to get, you know, the, the slight, um, to buy gift certificates basically with them. Uh, But it's, (laughs) you know, I think now I'm like forever I was was a GameStop guy, uh, and I think it's probably gonna, and I've been oddly more of a digital in game, uh, digital guy. I've I bought like, God of War digitally, uh, Detroit digitally, Far Cry Five digitally. Um, so I've been, I've been going more towards that and this is kind of, uh, the discount stuff with Amazon and that where I've been, um, huge and kind of, uh, this point go away from and That was kind of the, the big reason to go away from, uh, being digital was, was the discounts and, um, you know, as long as I, I can still get the like I said, the certificates and I guess even Amazon Prime still is 20% off for now uh i mean the way they've been the last just couple last year and a half or so they keep changing that um suddenly so i wouldn't be surprised if that goes away too in the next few months um but i mean amazon's even had weird things going on for like a long time you couldn't get nintendo uh you couldn't buy nintendo consoles from them uh you still uh ea for over a year you couldn't even buy uh physical copies of ea games from the you could buy digital ga- copies that was it from Amazon, and now you can actually buy you can pre-order games, uh, physical copies of like EA games, or buy um, physical copies of EA games. But like right now, currently with um, Amazon PlayStation, uh, you can't even pre-order PlayStation exclusive games on Amazon. You can't you can buy them the day of they come out, um, and you can buy you can pre-order the digital copies, be on with the discount on those. Um, so even that's really going away um, to some sense where it's like the the video game companies are pushing back on these discount things so uh, more and more we're going towards it seems like uh, all the, the the positives of going physical are um, dwindling away um, as long as GameStop is still around I think I'll be primary, primarily physical as long as i like, can still trading games but uh, when that, when GameStop inevitably goes away or changes who they are um, I think any in interest in me being a physical uh, copy gamer will go away as well um but I think that's going to wrap up everything, Gables. Yep. Uh, we went a little this week. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but I do mm-hmm. want to thank you guys for listening. I was your uh, host. I was Tyler. Uh, oh, I'm, for everything else, I'm quick. Sorry. Facebook, uh, we're on there. F- uh, page and group, uh, Drunk Dash Nerds. Check us out on there. Like and uh, like and join us uh, on Twitter, at Drunk Nerds Pod. Uh, YouTube, Drunk Nerds Podcast. Uh, subscribe and like us on there. And then um, Twitch, uh, we are um, there as well, drunkers Podcast. Uh, follow us on there, yeah. Follow us on there, sorry. And then um, you know, uh, share us on there. Uh, share us everywhere, please. Uh, and also iTunes, sorry. Uh, su- give us a five star review, subscribe, please. Uh, leave us, uh, leave a nice little comment. Really appreciate it. The more likes, subscribes, follows, retweets, all those good things that we, uh, that you guys do, the more likely those people will see us. Which is good for us. That's just a nice little move uh, morale boost. Sorry. Uh, very tired now. Um, but once again, thank you guys for listening. I was Tyler.
1: And I have been Colonel Gables. So until next week, everyone, I hope you have yourself a good week. Definitely go through. Get your exercise. Get your vitamins. Do whatever the hell you want to do. And please enjoy another heart-filled episode of the Drunk Dash Nerds Podcast.
0: Yes. Hey Gables? Yeah. Too sweet.
1: Too sweet.
0: And uh, last but not least, uh, rest in peace, Total Biscuit.
1: Rest Thank in you. peace, Total Biscuit.
0: Bye, guys.